Hello, and welcome to Smart Supply Chain, a podcast produced by ALOM, featuring industry experts offering insight and clarity on a variety of supply chain topics. I'm your host, Jennifer Duell. As an environmentally and socially conscious global supply chain services provider, ALOM offers Six Sigma quality, technology leadership, flexibility, and true customer focus. ALOM delivers its clients' products flawlessly, enriching the end user experience and upholding their brand reputations. We have two guest experts for this episode, one is a familiar voice here at Smart Supply Chain, Hannah Kane, CEO of ALOM, and someone new, Kave Moragabi, Senior Director of Quality and Sustainability at ALOM. We're going to be talking about quality and best practices to ensure it throughout the supply chain. Thank you so much for being here today, both of you. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here with you and Kaveh and talking about quality, one of my favorite topics. Well, and Kaveh is a new guest on Smart Supply Chain. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. How would you define quality in the context of supply chain management? In my opinion, quality in supply chain is a little different from standard definition that ISO 9000 have. ISO 9000 defines quality as degree of a product or service meet or exceed customer expectation. However, in supply chain, moreover of this definition, we are talking about maintaining competitive advantage, reduce cost, compliance with regulation, and strive for continuous improvement. Javier, that's a wonderful thought process. And yet I also like the ISO and that's part of our culture also to start with the customer and what is it the customer really needs. And that's not always what they say, as we know. And so quality is about starting with what the customer says, but then taking it one step further and understanding what the customer really needs. And for us, it's also about understanding the entire ecosystem and what everybody needs in that ecosystem and getting both the information, but certainly also the product and so the physical supply chain, the digital supply chain and the financial supply chain aligned for the customer around that. We always want to deliver on time and in the correct manner. And we want to have everybody do it with excellence, uh, both personal excellence and developing themselves to be excellent at what they're doing. So that's a big part of the Elam culture. And I don't know what you think about that, Carmen. No, I, I agree. If a customer comes back and says that, hey, I love what you guys did for me and I want to continue work with you guys, the loyalty that customer have with the service that we provide to them, that's the quality. It means that, hey, we provide a service or a product that they need. We make them happy with the amount of money that we charge them with the time that we deliver the product. That's exactly what the definition of quality. So, Kave, one of the things you and I have had fun with is discussing the cost of poor quality. And we have one of the few organizations in the world that measure cost of quality. Can you talk a little bit about how we do that? The cost of quality. 
Yeah, cost of quality is an index that I really love, and it's something that I monitor daily. We have lots of KPIs that we monitor, report, and measure monthly, but cost of quality is one of my favorite ones that I try to take on a daily basis to make sure that we are in balance with what we are making, what we are spending, and the quality of service that we're providing to the customer. We have customer poor quality as our major thing here at Alam, and we measure cost of quality based on any complaint or any issue that customer has with us. We try to minimize the cost of poor quality and add to cost of quality that it's related to the training to our staff, educating our staff, or any special or technology-related equipment that we need to purchase for our operation and quality. Yeah, so Jennifer, over the last decades, we have been very focused on of prevention, right? So there's a cost in the prevention. And when we talk quality preventive cost, we are talking about building quality into our processes. So having really strong processes and making sure that everybody's trained and very competent at their jobs. We try to shift our cost structure over so that we build product that is good in the first place. And then we avoid the cost of poor quality. And so it's a really interesting measurement. And when our ISO auditors come in and see what we do, they are always very excited about seeing that this is one of the metrics we are following. Can you share any examples in which quality control measures help to avert any potential issues? Kava and I will probably say the same. I'll let Kava start the party. Sure. We, in recent week, we have an incident with one of our work orders that during the production, our quality department identified mixed product in a work order. It was a product with brochure with different language and what our quality control team during their routine inspection found it was that these brochures were mixed with for different languages what we learned as we did root cause analysis for this issue we find out that it was a supplier issue that our quality find the issue inside the facility and didn't let the product goes to the final customer because it was a really huge order save us lots of money and credibility in front of customer. But what we learned from this is to put more inspection, more control or incoming inspection from that particular supplier. That was a new supplier and we need to put more control to get better input from that supplier. There's not anything being done at Elam or any product being shipped that's not impacted by quality. And again, the idea is that we are building quality into the product and into the processes. We try to not inspect ourselves out of the problem. So when people are thinking quality, a lot of times they're thinking this thing where you could try to go in and do sampling of product and whether it's good or bad. And if it's bad, then you pull it out and hope that the rest is good. 
that's not how we think about quality. We think about quality as being an integral part of our entire operations. And so we certainly do catch things occasionally in quality control. And of course, we've got really great inspectors. But the basic, the foundational thing is to make it part of the culture and part of the process. So every single product that comes out of Elam is part of our quality measures. I want to know about technology and data analytics. How do they play a role in managing and improving quality in the supply chain? I believe the most critical role of technology in quality is helping us with visibility and real-time monitoring. So with the help of technology, for example, we can capture data on various parameters such as temperature, humidity, location, and transit time. This data provide us into the condition of product through the supply chain and enable proactive quality management. When I'm thinking about how we use technology to enhance quality, it's all the preventive measures we are putting into our systems. As an example, if a product is serialized and we need to have a serial number, we cannot scan that into a shipping order and ship it out to the customer unless we have that order in our serial system. So we are preventing now that this order goes out. Let's say it's a medical product. It goes out and we and the customer and we are losing traceability. So having those measures built in and using technology each time to enhance our processes is really important. Is ISO certification and Six Sigma considered table stakes in today's supply chains? So the way I think about ISO and why I want to do ISO and some of the other external certifications that ELAM has in different areas is that it's so easy to fool yourself. So we're saying, yes, we are very quality oriented. Yes, we are following processes. Yes, we are training everybody, etc. What ISO does, it keeps you honest. We bring in external auditors who is looking at us and auditing us to a standard that's worldwide. And so I've never thought that ISO was in itself such a difficult thing. But it's that thing where you have somebody coming in and seeing that you do what you say, right? It's like having, if you're on a diet, you have a dietitian actually write down what you eat. It keeps you honest. Otherwise, that cookie all of a sudden goes down with, along with everything else, right? And that's what I love about having a, a standard like ISO. What do you think about that, Kave? So I would like to add something to what Hannah mentioned regarding ISO and our certification. One of the things that we brag at um, is we are not getting this certificate for recognition. We are getting it because it's the right way. This is the right thing to do. We are doing it because of our customers. Customers need to rely to us. Customers need to trust us. They have different way to trust us. They can come here and audit us and it's costly, it's time-consuming, and it, it's not an easy task for them. Or 
we can implement the system, get our certification and show it to them. Hey, we follow this international standard. So this is the level of quality that we provide to, we provide service to our customer. And I believe we are one of the superior companies in implementation of these standards. And it's not because we love to have more certificate. We have a vast variety of customer. We have customer from banking. We have customer from automotive. We have customer for aerospace, medical device, and pharmaceutical product. For our customer to trust us, they want to see if we have a we have implemented any standard or we achieve an accreditation or we receive the certification. That's the reason that we put all this effort, we implement this system and we get those certificate to be in compliance with their requirements. We talked about how customer expectations drive quality. Are those expectations multi-layered? We do an analysis of each of the stakeholders and what they would like to see and what their needs are. And then we design the supply chain around it. So part of excellence and quality is to understand that entire ecosystem. In the old days, it was much easier because there were not the complexity and risk and maybe globalization and things like that, that now impact the this entire ecosystem, both on the demand side, over to the customer, but also on the supply side. So the complexity definitely has gone up, uh, and that really makes it more important that you're thinking through the problems and doing it on a systematic basis. So one of the things that Kave and I have worked on is that entire systemic approach to these issues and doing our own risk analysis and helping customers do their risk analysis and maintaining control over the supply chain. One of the things that make this job really interesting for me is sometimes we have some customer that they provide a product or service to OEM and we act as a tier two supplier for them. So these customers, they don't have enough knowledge of OAM requirement. One of the interesting things in our industry is sometimes we need to educate our customers regarding their requirement so they can sell and deliver the product that we give it to them to the OAM on time and uh, with the required regulatory compliance or a specification that OEM needs. It's really interesting when you talk to a customer and you educate them regarding the knowledge that you have and the end user needs to have it, but they don't have it and they, they are interested to learn this from us. One example of where we really helped a customer recently was actually something Kave did where he found out that a customer had their product registered the wrong way with the FDA, and we helped them get it re-registered such that it was in correct compliance. This was one of the cases where we went over and beyond. And so these are the type of examples that make me very proud and feel that we are delivering quality over and beyond. What are some best practices that we could recommend for 
customers to better communicate their quality expectations? So there are two ways of looking at this, right? So especially in the manufacturing production area, the very defined documentation that we expect to be provided and our suppliers would expect to be provided. And so that's a very defined process. What we sometimes find is our customers are maybe not as strong in that area as we would like them to be. And we have to go in in an iterative process and improve their documentation The other thing is, of course, what this entire thing that the supply chain is complex. And so you have all these different stakeholders. Let's say within an organization, you have maybe a supply chain manager we are working with. You have got a fulfillment manager. You've got a VP in that group. Maybe you have got a CFO. Maybe you've got a cost accounting department. You've got a legal department. You've got all these different people you're working with within a customer. And part of what we sometimes have to do is really pull the information out of them, what they really need, right? Because they're not necessarily thinking about that as part of their quality process. What is it they need and how can they manage it? And then we set the customer up. If we don't know this, we risk setting the customer up in a manner such that they don't get what they need. And then we go back and forth in that process where it becomes really difficult. So we always like working with customers who are open to having that dialogue up front. And then, of course, that includes on the demand side, the end users and the cost and the distributors and whoever else they're working with, understanding what it is they really need and what's important to them. Understanding customer requirement is not important. It's vital. It's critical. That's one of the most important part of our business. We have process uh, as business review requirement. So we have a cross-functional team. When we engage with the customer, there are different team members that study the product, study the requirement, make sure that we understand the compliance with the regulation. And there are sometimes that customer doesn't know. For example, we said that Prop 65, and they said that what it is, and that's a requirement in California. Cross-functional team through this business requirement review process, go through the customer requirement, review, study the product or service that they are asking us and make sure that we can deliver everything that they are asked for before we sign the contract. So we make sure that we have all the standard. We make sure that we have all the equipment. We make sure that any major equipment that we need is in place before customers come and we get their product in our facility. For me, understanding and making sure that we can deliver, we can promise the customer that we can do your job the way that you would like, it's really important and critical. Many people believe quality is more expensive. Do you think that's true? Is quality really just a synonym for expensive? I 100% disagree with the premise. And it's one of the things I've always said is, not doing quality is really expensive. So you think about you send bad quality out in the world and now you've got to recall and you've got to send new things out and you have your reputational risk. And of course, you have the risk that somebody 
gets hurt if it's a medical product or automotive product industries that we are in. So I've always said quality is the only way to be profitable as a company. So yeah, I have got to say, I believe that's the only cost efficient thing to do is have high quality. Yeah, in other way, we can say that, hey, I'm not rich enough to buy cheap things. So that's what we believe. There is a difference between the cost and price. So we want to make sure that customer get the product that with the correct cost so they, they can make benefit from what we are delivering to them. I've never heard that saying before, Kaveh, and I love it. You pay less for a product that you get, and then you need to be involved in calling the customer service, don't use it when it's in the warranty, and all of these things. If you think about it, at the end of the day, it's much better that you pay a higher price and get the product with a better quality rather than to get the product that is less expensive with less quality. The difference between price and cost, when we talk about the quality, price is the money that you pay one time to own that product, but the cost is the money that you pay during the time to maintain this and use that product. If you pay $100 for a bicycle and then after one week, you need to go back to the shop and ask for a new saddle or the week after you need to go and the chain breaks and you need to buy another chain for the bike and all the time that you need to spend to go back and forth from the home to a store to fix all of this if you think you pay a little price but cost of this bike during the time is much more than what you expected to pay for a bicycle that's a really good example yeah. So, and that, that's, of course, an example where the poor quality can go out to a consumer, but there's also poor quality internally in organizations. And that's when we talk about that we are measuring poor quality, we talk about things like, let's say we assemble a product and it goes into finished goods. Now we go to send it out. We find out that it's assembled wrong. First of all, we may miss some shipping deadlines. We've got to send it back. We've got to rework it, right? Which is very expensive. Maybe for certain medical customers, etc. we cannot just go rework. We need to call the customer, get permission, get new documentation, go through a lot of different steps. And then we can ship it out. And so the cost of that is just tremendously high. That's what we refer to as the cost of poor quality. And that's what we are trying to drive down all the time. So when we produce things right the first time, and that's what our processes are set up to do, when we produce right the first time, where it's just a much, much cheaper proposition. Jennifer, you asked other things we would like to say to our customers about how they can help quality and how they can help us in general. It's help us help you. And so sometimes we'll come and ask a lot of questions because we really want to do it right. And that is simply answering the questions and work with us such that we can design the very best supply chain solution right out the gate. Talk with me a little bit about continuous improvement and innovation and the role that it plays in quality. Continuous improvement and 
innovation are essential for maintaining and improving supply chain quality. In my opinion, continuous improvement drives efficiency, cost reduction, customer satisfaction, and employee engagement, with which these things can enhance companies' competitive advantage and they can deliver superior value to our customers. Hannah, do you want to chime in there? Continuous improvement is a big part of the Elon culture and the striving to always get better. And let's face it, over the last 10, 20 years, quality levels have just gone up across the board. And that's a good thing. That also means that organizations need to be on their toes and continuously improve or they will fall behind. They will simply fall behind and not be able to survive. Understanding that you've got to get better every day is a big part of the culture and, again, the understanding that we have to improve as individuals, as teams, as companies, but also as ecosystems with our suppliers and our customers, that we all have got to raise the bar all the time. So that striving is a big part of our company culture. So let's wrap up with you both telling me where you think the future of quality in supply chain management is heading. For me, I believe digital transformation. There are technologies out like AI, machine learning, and IoT blockchain that they enable real-time monitoring, data analytic, and automation. These technologies allows to have a more efficient and effective quality control, and I believe that's the future. I would totally agree with that, Kave, and I see the scope of quality really being expanded over the next decade. So we are already seeing much more compliance management being part of quality and understanding the entire regulatory environment and also understanding some of the intricacies of global business and things like that now being embedded into quality because honestly, if we can't deliver the product because it's stuck at a border or at a supplier, none of the other things really matter. So I think quality gets more into the different stages of supply chain and really understanding the full supply chain and into compliance management and also into risk management. And we've seen that as a ISO standard kind of move that there's more and more risk management being included in the standard. Correct. And let's don't forget about sustainability and circular economy. I believe this is something that we see more and more in supply chain and quality management will increasingly align with these sustainability goals and circular economy principles in the world. Yeah, I agree with that. The entire compliance management will extend to the ESG area because companies have ESG commitments and ESG statements and also maybe regulatory requirements. And definitely it's an area that quality will get into. So I think what many people think about quality as being exclusively production related. And I think over the next 10, 20 years, that's going to be a total fallacy. It's going to be 
way more uh, comprehensive. To wrap up, quality is going to improve lives. It always has. It always has. For sure. It has been a pleasure to talk with both of you. Kaveh, I'm so glad you dropped by. Hannah, always a pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure, Jim. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Supply Chain. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information or to contact ALOM, go to alom.com. That's A-L-O-M dot com. 